talk for a couple of minutes, um, Pastor Oli speaking, from the 40th chapter of the book of Psalms. And uh, we were there last week as we gathered at the communion table, and I really um, wanted to move forward, and the Holy Spirit just said, why don't we park here for a few minutes this morning, and so I think we will. It's always good to listen to Jesus when he's guiding. And so um, from Psalm 40, I want to just come back and ponder and think about uh, the reality of our lives in lieu of the words of the psalmist, our lives in lieu of a, of a resurrection from the dead in the seventh chapter of the book of Luke, and our lives in light of some song stories. I, I, I wanted to, uh, for the next few years, uh, off and on, come back to just this series called Psalms, Songs. And what they mean to us, I am, I'm drawn toward songs and worship, and I, I tend to have a preference for moments like, um, like the guys that are in the fire, and Jesus through a theophany shows up, and they're dancing in the middle of the fires of life, and there's this powerful and prescient moment of worship. I enjoy moments like that. I enjoy moments like David, you know. I am, I appreciate moments of worship where um, David has sought out the presence of God in the in that Old Testament account. the The presence of God has been restored to the people of God, and and if you know the account of David, he, you know, he um, is stripping down. And so I don't recommend this, Ed Mandarin. You might have awkward looks unless God leads you to do this. But he strips down of all of his kingly robes and he's just left with his undergarments and he's dancing his way into the city. And I enjoy moments like that where he is saying, look, his, and then, you know, church members, if you will, or it was his spouse in that moment. My wife would never do this. She's used to me. But um, his wife in that moment was yelling from the window, you are embarrassing us and you're embarrassing the family. He says, let's just pause and let, let's let everyone know right now. And he, he, by the way, is the writer of many of the Psalms. Um, I can get far more undignified. And she's like, oh my, you're, this is unbelievable. And so he just dances his way. I love moments like that. Or when the, the Old Testament temple was built and God came in power and they experienced the presence of God. I, I enjoy talking about the songs in that way or, or the beginning of the church where the Holy Spirit came and there were literally people groups gathered from all over in the nations and they did not share a common language and yet they did through the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak as one voice and understand one another. And I, I see that level of worship and I, I, I'm so thankful for a God who draws me to that. And I begin to think of the Psalms and I thought, but God, that's not how you often meet us in this journey called life. I, I would love to have a little interactive moment. I, we, um, we worked hard on this image behind me and as I, I wanted to go with the word songs or Psalms and, Tell me some things that you notice, since we're going to look at it for about four or five weeks. What are some things you notice? And you can't talk right now. I know that a lot of times in church we don't do that, but, you know, just tell me some things you notice as you look at this. Just people's worship, their hands are in the air. Their surrender in their lives. And really our hands raised. I give up, Lord. I surrender wholly and completely to you. What else do you notice? Say something again. So Jason, there's no telling with you, so this should be fun. Bring it on. 
There are, there are big white letters there, and, and um, if anyone can name the font, Joel can. So, Joel, what font do we have going there? Um, so, what else do you notice as you see this? I love it. I love it. People are just reaching and saying, God, show us who you are. I really think that um, the Lord meets us. And as I wanted to open a series on the Psalms, I wanted to, to really, for us to wrestle with this, and I want you to look at this image every time it's on the screen and wrestle with this. The Lord meets us not solely in the dancing jubilant moments or when the Holy Spirit has fallen. The Psalms are written for the tension of life. The Psalms are written in the very greatest scenarios of pain and suffering and sorrow or questioning and misunderstanding or persecution and hopelessness and wondering and they're they're radiant with moments like this where are you God and yet you are my God I don't understand what's going on and yet I worship you Lord God the tension of this moment is overbearing and yet you are God on your throne oh God come the enemies are prevailing against me they are taking my life down would you defeat my enemies and there's much more that's said And we just began, as Danny and I were talking together and dreaming together, I said, Danny, I just think that this picture of a third world country where people are just struggling and suffering, and yet in the middle of their suffering, they're lifting holy hands to God and saying, God, in the middle of all the tensions, in the middle of all the sorrows, in the middle of all the questions, in the middle of whether we'll have a meal tonight or not, in the middle of whether we will have a family or not, in the middle of where I will rest my head tonight, in the middle of all that, I don't know any of the other answers, but in the midst of that, I know that you are God, and I lift holy hands to you. And I believe fully that many of us have walked into this room with more questions than answers, more tension than freedom, and I just want you to know this, that the psalmist is not a writer, that if you just don't worry and are happy, it will be okay. It is one that meets us in the greatest tensions of life. That is our God. He meets us in the middle of them and says, I am here and I am with you and let us walk this journey together. I pray that not only as you visually see this image, but as we speak our way through varying Psalms, you'll be able to meet God where you are and the tensions that you bring. I was singing just a moment ago, Lord, I want you to be without borders. And that song has always been a physical song for me. Like, God, I want to go to other nations and speak of the grace of who you are. And then I just... I was just shredded by the Holy Spirit during that song that there are borders in my heart and tensions in my heart, borders of expectations, borders of how things should be, borders of what should be going on. And Lord, I want to meet you in the middle of this tension without borders. If you will, from Luke, the seventh chapter on my stretcher walking myself into death because I've set up facades of tensions and borders. And Holy Spirit, come and be the lifter of my head. In the 40th chapter of the book of Psalms, there are three verses, verses 1 through 3, that I just would like to think about this morning in light of a resurrection in Luke, the 7th chapter. The words read this way. I waited patiently for the Lord. And He turned to me and He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, the mud and the mire, and He set my feet upon the rock, and He gives me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. It is a hymn of praise to our God. 
As a result of that song, many will see and they will fear. And they will put their trust in the Lord. I'm praying that God will meet us in the midst of our borders and lead us to a place without borders, that God will meet us. In fact, I think I'm praying right now. God, I pray that you would meet us on our stretchers as we are walking out of a city called Beautiful and we believe more fully than not that we are about to be buried in the midst of the soil of this earth. What is what is happening around us is tension so great. God, I pray that you would be the lifter of heads this morning, that your truth would abound this morning, that your grace and your goodness would come to us in power. It's in Jesus' name that we hold fast. Amen. It's a little bit late, and so I'm going to speak fast, or not. But I'll speak in a manner where I think we can just receive some things and then walk out and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does so well. And so I have three really... um I don't know what they are. I just have three thoughts about the Lord, about his goodness, and about us in light of the seventh chapter of the book of Luke. Jesus afterwards was going to Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And he went to the gate, and a dead person was being carried out. Now, I know we talked about this last week, but I just being reminded again that Jesus comes, and when he comes, he comes in power, and he comes... As, as Psalm 40, the second verse says, He comes to lift our heads and to lift us out of the clay of our borders and our expectations, our tensions and our struggles, our wondering, if you would, on the screen, whether we're going to eat or not tonight, our wondering whether we will rest or not tonight. God comes to meet us in the midst of those moments, and He comes in power, and He comes in strength. I wonder, I wonder if we could step outside of the bounds of a widow who is carrying her dead son in the seventh chapter of the book of Luke, and step into our own lives and to recognize this about ourselves. Many of us came into this room being carried on a stretcher. We are one halfway to the grave, and in a matter of moments, our life and our circumstances will result in our being in the dirt. I know, I know, as I, as I experienced the dedication this moment, that, that tension abounded in lives as, as they were asking questions throughout. I know in this room that many of us are either in a moment like that or we're heading to a moment like that or we're just coming out of a moment like that where we are on a stretcher and we are halfway there to being in the dirt and we're wondering what Jesus will do and here's what Jesus does. He comes in power. He comes in the strength of who he is. And he comes to carry us, not maybe out of physical death, but out of spiritual death. I think that a lot of us have walked into this room on stretchers, and there could be many things that we could add to this. And if I start listing too much, you'll think I didn't list yours. But I know that we walk into this room with stretchers of brokenness, whether that be relationships or a a broken view of God, brokenness of our own sin, and wondering whether we can be better before God. And he's saying, you can't. I love our Bible study lesson this morning. You have nothing but Jesus. You want you to just come and meet me. I want you to come in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your jealousy, in the middle of your legalism, in the middle of your pride. You are halfway to death, and I am coming to meet you, and I am coming to meet you where you are. I waited patiently on the stretcher of life for my Lord, and I love the next thought, and he heard my cry. 
Jesus intersected a funeral in the seventh chapter of the book of Luke. He intersected a funeral in the 40th chapter of the book of Psalms. And he intersected that so that we might experience life and hope. And he likewise will come this morning to the stretchers that you brought to this room and intersect our lives as well. And he comes to say there's hope here and there's promise here. And I think that many of us have walked into this room or walked through our lives believing that this power of God is for some story from a moment or days past. And I just come to you bearing this news that our God intersects life and death. He intersects, he intersects the moments of carrying coffins in this day, on this morning, in this moment. And he longs for you to hear this message. You have been heard and he lifts up still. I didn't get as beautiful as an amen, but I'm praying that the Holy Spirit, not 2,000 years ago, would He tell you that Jesus will grab a hold of the thing that is killing you, but today, that it would be grabbed by Jesus and He would look you in the eye and say the words that the man heard many years ago when look, He said to the woman, don't cry, but then He said to the dead son, get up! And I think the Lord is coming to us and saying, I want you to walk in the fullness of who I am. I want you to experience the reality of who I am. I want you to be free from the shackles that you think define you. I just wanted to tell a modern day story with each one of these. And a friend of mine is coming on the screen right now. She's, I was sitting and say she used to be a friend of mine. She still is a friend of mine. Um, she's in heaven right now. Her name is Carrie. And, um, many of you would like her if you're very scientific kind of people. She was a kinetic engineer. Um, she worked on Eglin Air Force Base, and she came to me, and I, can, I cannot look at this because I even know it's playing behind me. Carrie was an engineer at Eglin Air Force Base who ultimately, God said, I want you to be a laudation engineer, so she led worship for our church. And we were heading to a conference about this time um, many years ago now, seven or eight years ago now, and Carrie stood at our, um, at our van with our staff and said, I just got back from my CAT scan, CAT scan and I just want you to know, that I lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm like, oh. And she said it smiling. And then she said, here's what I want you to understand about me. She's a very, very practical person. Here's what the odds are. And they're about 3% that I'm going to walk away from this. And here's the odds. Um, they're about 97% I'm going to heaven. And here's Jesus. And here's what I want you all to go as you go and worship for the next three days. Or at church as we worship in the moments like, oh, it's gone. But you can even replay that if you want to. I just love it being behind me. I want you to know this, that I worship a Jesus who can do one of two things. Meet me in perfection or he can overcome this. And whichever he chooses, He's God. So I'm going to be on a stretcher for a while, but I want you to know that my stretcher has already been stopped and I've already gotten up. And I just want to come to you and say, it doesn't mean alleviation of all the struggles and it doesn't mean healing across this room. That if you'll name it and claim it, that's God. It just means that God will be there and He may trump your circumstances or He may walk alongside you, but in either way, our God is with you and He's the lifter of your head. And she led us in worship until she leads us in worship right now. She's leading me in this very moment as she is singing that her Redeemer lives. And Susan, I can picture in our moment the song that she always sang. She always sang the song with such a passion. She led, had other people lead worship so very often she played from the piano. But the song, Arise, Take Your Place, be enthroned on our praise. When she would start belting out Arise, I can imagine, I don't know what Jesus wanted to do. I think He wanted to arise over and over and over and over. 
mean, it's just kind of, it's belted out of just worship before the Lord. And I want our lives to be lives that believe Psalm 42, not solely when we get better, but in the middle of whatever we are in, that our God is with us and He's mighty to save in the circumstances, out of the circumstances, through the circumstances, Jesus comes in power. And he hears our cry. I love this truth about him. Backing up to verse 1. Lord, the stretchers of life are so hard. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he heard my cry. Isn't that good news? He heard the cry of his people. That he hears the cry of his people. I believe that many of us believe that the gospel was something that came to good people to make us better. And Jesus came and heard our cry and he made dead people alive. He came and restored dead hearts and they didn't restore them. He removed dead hearts. And the gospel is this story, this resurrection power that came and moved within us. And Jesus, by faith and our trust in him, became the resurrection and the life. He heard our cry. But that same gospel, that restoration of our heart, that redemption of our lives, that same gospel is the gospel that moves today. The gospel that we need to hear today, that the resurrection power is not something that made us alive once, it makes us alive day in and day out. And I'm not referring to the fact that you get saved every other day, um, as maybe has been spoken before. I'm referring to this reality. You have been saved and justified once and for all, but that gospel in Jesus Christ saves us again and again and again from the stretchers that we choose. He raises us up and he hears our cry and he steps in with the gospel of his grace. You have nothing apart from the master Jesus saying, get up. You have everything when the master Jesus says, get up. You may trump these circumstances. You may not. I will walk. I will rise. So get up in the midst of his power. You are made in this decision daily, moment by moment, to be able to say, God, I long for your resurrection power. Every single day, hear my cry. Every single day, walk in the midst of this with, with me. In John or Luke 7, 14, he says, He went up and touched his coffin. He said, I want you to know I hear your cry. You are a young man. Get up. And I want you to know that the Lord hears your cry. And despite the fact that you may be nine out of ten steps to the very grave that is your undoing, Jesus will intervene should you allow him. His gospel presence will step in to your life in this moment. And his power is what you need. Would you just simply turn to him in the midst of your death and say, Lord, help hear my cry. And he'll just turn to you and say, get up, son, I'm with you. I, I thought of um, a song that many of you know. It's one of my favorite hymns. It may be my favorite hymn. I've got three or four or five. But I, I, love, um, I love Horatio Spafford's hymn. When he just begins to sing it as well with my soul, I begin to think of the power of the resurrection of Jesus. If you don't know this song story, many of you already do. But at the height of his financial and professional success, Horatio and his wife lost their son to death. 
Shortly thereafter, in October 8th, 1871, the great Chicago fires stripped him of almost all of his wealth. And so he began to say, my wife and my children need some recuperation, my children that are left. And so he was getting on board with them to go to England, not only for recuperation, but here's, here's a good way to recuperate. You can recuperate when you go to England with Moody and Sankey to, to participate in revivals. So that's where he was. I'm going to go with D.L. Moody and we're going to celebrate revivals of the great message of the gospel of Jesus. That's a new thought about vacation. And so God, I want to just be a part of what you're doing. And then his business pulled him away. And you know the story. If you know it, you know it well. He and his wife and daughters got on. A tribulation and storm came in the middle of Atlantic. He received a message days later. No survivors except your wife. He got on a boat several weeks later to go over and meet. It wasn't the day of the internet nor of planes. And so he just began his journey over. And it's said that essentially right at the place of the death of his daughters, he began to pen these words. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Lord, when there is so great of sorrow that is overcoming me and I am on my stretcher and I don't know what to say or what to do. And he began with the very core of who he was to speak these words. It is well. And I would have to say somebody would then sing the refrain for him on the boat because that's the only way I hear it in church. It is well. It is well. It is well with my soul. It is not going to reframe every circumstance that I'm in. It is not going to regenerate all of my properties and is not going to hand back my daughters and my son. But I have you, Jesus, in this moment. And my soul is satisfied in you. And I am fully, aboundingly believing in the coming of the Lord Jesus. And I believe he would be the first to say, so come quickly, Lord. We need God's purpose, His grace to be made alive, to transform us every single day from the pit. And that purpose and grace of God will bring us fully to life every single day. I don't come to you with a message saying, everyone be happy, everyone let's sing songs. I come to you saying, in the middle of the greatest storms, our God is present. He is life and hope. And he says in Psalm 40, verse 3, and so he'll put a new song in our mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Isn't that why the church is told to sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to one another? There's a new song that is in our mouth, a song of praise to our God. I love this in John 7, or Luke 7, verse 16. Everyone after this young man got up, they were filled with awe and they began to praise God. First, they were filled with awe. Translations say this. They were aghast. They were amazed. They were stunned into silence. They were Baptist in that moment. And then they got over that and they began to jubilantly dance about. They began to rejoice with singing. Their lives were filled with new songs and songs of praise to our God. He put a new song in their mouth because He lifted them out of the pit because He heard their cry. 
And our God in this room is inviting us to sing new songs to one another, to be able to say, Lord, we worship you. And then it says, out of that song, the word of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ spread throughout that region and to the nations. I just closed the sermon with this. I watched Insanity of God. I don't know how many of you had the privilege of that. One of the things that I can can tell you that I so look forward to with this church is sitting in this room together as soon as Lifeway gets their packaging together and watching the insanity of God with this body. If you could go ahead and write that in pencil, I don't even know the date yet because I don't know the release, but if you could just say I'm not missing that night, it would be huge. But I got the picture of this new song from a, a guy in the Russian block. His name is Dimitri. And you can meet Dimitri on the screen right now, I think. Yeah. And this is just a true story of about 30 years ago. Dimitri was a Russian factory worker imprisoned. The house church that he pastored had grown to 150, and that was a threat to the nation. So he was imprisoned. They sent him a thousand miles away from his family and from his church, and it was the most um, heinous of criminal facilities that he was put into. As far as Dimitri knew, he was the only believer in this facility. And every moment, every morning, Dimitri would wake up, he would turn his face to the east, he would lift holy hands to the Father, and he would begin to sing songs of praise to our God. It says of Dimitri that waste from the other prisoners would begin to fly through his prison cell. Their food would come that way. They would take cups and they would bang them over the cell bars. And he would simply stand with uplifted hands. And the, the, the book says it this way. He was just singing his heart song before God. So for 17 years, Dmitri in that Russian prison sang his heart song morning, evening, afternoon, singing of the goodness of God in the land of death. For 17 years, here's what he did. He was said, we will liberate you. And so you can evaluate your heart song right now and what would we be playing because he said this word. The prison guard said, we will liberate you if you will simply recant your confession as Jesus as Lord. You will be free. For 17 years, he stood with a simple signature for his freedom saying, I would rather sing the song of God a thousand miles from my home than I would to recant the sovereign nature and worship of the living God. Meet Dimitri. Dimitri just sang his heart song year in and year out. And then they continued to just beat him and pummel him and punish him. But what really exposed him and made him vulnerable would be what does for all of us. They began to talk about the abuse of his children in his homeland. And then they brought someone who looked like his wife but was not his wife past his cell. She was dead, had been murdered, and he fell to pieces. And he said, I will recant. And I love our Holy Spirit who comes to us in the midst of our midnight cry because in the midst of the night, the Holy Spirit opened his ears. His family, a thousand miles away, sensed that the God of of all gods needed to be able to speak into his life. And so his ears were open to the speaking and the words of his family. He heard his wife's voice and he said, Oh God, I will not recant. The, the, The prison guards came and they didn't know what to do with him. 
And so about a week and a half later, they brought him in for execution as they were carrying him out. Many will see, many will hear, and many will sing the song. Dimitri is being drugged out through the streets or the, the hallways of the prison to have his life taken. And what he began to hear has to be so supernatural, such an amazing moment. And I cannot wait to experience this in heaven if they'll give us some videos. So I want to see this moment because what they say happened and we get to see the interview with some of the guys who were in the prison. It says that universally across that prison, men began to rise and to sing the heart song of Dimitri. And the prison guards looked at him and said, Who are you? And he said, I am a son of the living God adopted by Jesus Christ. They didn't know what to do with him. They set him free. He ventured home. And he and his sons lead the church. Thousand men standing and singing because one man stood and sang for 17 years. I end the sermon with this question. What's your heart song? Are you singing it? Are you singing a heart song about the glory and goodness of Jesus Christ in such a manner that yet if waste from the bowels of another were thrown upon you, you would not cease lifting holy hands to the Father and singing the song? Seventeen years of recant, would you stand and sing the song? Unbeknownst to you, whether any would follow, would you stand and sing the song? And maybe on this earth, or maybe in the heavenlies, you'll experience thousands one day joining you in the song. I promise you, I guarantee you, according to Scripture, you'll experience thousands upon thousands and ten thousand by ten thousand singing the song. You may not on this earth. Will you sing your heart song to God anyway? I waited patiently for the Lord. And he heard my cry. He turned to me. He lifted me from the pit, from the mud and mire. And he set my feet on a rock. And he gave me a firm place to stand. Thank you, Jesus. He put a new song in my mouth. It is a hymn of praise to God. And apparently, I am to sing it. Because as a result, many will see. Many will fear. And they will put their trust in the Lord. Yes and amen. Jesus, I pray that our hearts will be moved in this moment to ask this question. Do we have a heart song? A new song in our mouth song of praise to our Lord. Maybe more specifically, Lord, I pray that we would ask and answer this question. Are you the centerpiece of our heart? When we look around this room and we look around in worship, do we see the borders of our life and the stretchers or do we see you? God, I pray that you will become the centerpiece, the fixation, the hope, the story, the promise, the truth, the way, the life, Messiah. 
Holy One, King of Glory, enthroned, rejoiced, 